0: And uh, we're back, and it is Saturday, October fourteenth. Happy birthday, Kim Laverty! Happy birthday, Kim! Yeah, we're grateful for you. We're thankful that you're part of our church fam. They are uh, a part of our
1: community group. The oh, cool! Family is that's fun. so yeah, we love having them. They went to Disney World recently. They did. I, I was I was curious. I haven't seen any photos. I haven't heard anything about that. That go okay.
0: I, I think it did, yeah. Did they come back? They weren't there on Tuesday night, so they might still be they in... They might still uh, be there.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, hopefully they're listening during that time. Hopefully. And they hear the happy birthday. Hopefully they're, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, we are uh, thankful that you're joining in with us this morning
1: yeah, or I'll whenever know, Who are not is. at World Disney, well, uh, Disney World. World, be that you're world here? Disney either. World Disney, Walt Disney, World, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Do you like Disney World? Or I've never been Dis- a world. Do you like Disneyland? I love Disneyland. Do you really? I do. I think they do Everything with such excellence. There it is. Okay, I've seen that. Coming. I cannot help but be awed by
0: their attention to detail. Have you read the uh, the leadership books that are uh, like from the Disney camp and everything else?
1: Um, I don't. I can't say that I have. If I did, it'd been over a decade or two yeah. ago.
0: They are excellent at. Casting vision to their team and getting their team to execute the vision.
1: Well, dude, they 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 not only do it well with their team. I mean, but you think about diehard Disney people. I mean, we have some on our on our church our church team. Kat say we're looking at you. I, know, I was going to call her name out, but man, the people there are people that are fanatic about Disney. and Kat say, we're looking at you. <laughs> Tattoos and you know stickers yeah. on the car and yeah. all sorts of things. Yeah, no, that's true. They uh,
0: the thing that I've always been fascinated by is the average amount of time that a piece of trash spends on the ground in Disneyland. Oh yeah, it's minutes, right? Yeah, because they've trained everybody to know. Hey, that's that's my job. See the trash, pick, pick it, it get up. Get the trash. Yeah. Right. It's not. It's not maintenance teams. Job. It's not janitorial team's it's job. job. It's everybody's job. And we talk about being a churchman, right? in uh, In regards to the church, and what we mean by that is is precisely that. Like, hey, there's a need over in kidsmen, and maybe you're not on that team, but you, you're going to care enough about that ministry that you're going to move to meet that need, or you know, the, you're looking around going, hey, that the teardown crew is a little bit light today. It may not be your week to serve on teardown crew, or maybe you're not even on our setup or teardown crew, but yeah. you're going to jump in and, and help because you care about everything in the church, not just your component or your area in the church. And we need to do that as pastors too. Like we can't silo ourselves and think, okay, well my job is just to to preach on Sunday mornings and I don't need to care about other things or lead worship on Sunday mornings and I don't need to care about like that. That needs to be everybody's
1: mindset in the church that we are a family and that we are all doing this together. Yeah. And I think this even relates to what we said yesterday. I mean, your personality may not be to serve kids or to jump in a junior high ministry, what have you. Um, but because of our love, we do things that doesn't, it kind of doesn't matter what our, our personality is. We do things because we love God and we love one another. So yeah. this is what we, I think this is what you preach really well, Pastor PJ, and what our church tries to uh, tries to manifest, and it's that we love people. And so we do things for people, even if it's out of our mm. wheelhouse. Mm.
0: Yeah. And and the reason is, is because we want to emulate the God that we serve and the savior and his example right. for us that he's provided us. for us, right? That's right. And, uh, and it just so happens that that's what's in view for us in our Old Testament reading today in Isaiah 52 as we wrap up Isaiah 52 and then 53 specifically here. So, um, open up with us and uh, and let's jump in. And the reason we broke at 52 where we did is because got 52 tired. thirteen we got tired. Um, you'll notice introduces a new character, well, not a new character, a repeated character that we've already covered, but it, it shifts focus from Israel corporately now to the servant again, and herein is the servant, the Messiah, the servant, the individual, and this introduces what is known as the, the suffering servant song, or the song of the suffering servant, and it's Isaiah 10 times the 52, yeah, 52, uh, 13 through uh, chapter 53, and this is, bear in mind, this is 700 plus years before the crucifixion that isaiah writes these things and uh, it's astonishing just the the picture that we get here and and as you go into this text, um, I mean, we, we can jump into it, right? He starts, behold my servant, there it is. She'll act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up. If you were with us this past Sunday, uh, we I touched on on John three fourteen, where the Jesus said, "The Son of Man must be lifted up, as was the serpent in the wilderness. And uh, there's a lot of connections that I found in a lot of commentaries that connect that back to this verse, isaiah fifty two thirteen, where this line of the the servant will be lifted up is speaking of the exaltation of the servant right before the, the, execution of the servant or the humiliation of the servant. And John picks up on that or Jesus picks up on that in in John chapter three verses 14 and 15 as well. Uh, But yeah, the the servant is going to be lifted up and exalted, but it's not going to come the way that everybody expects it to happen. And that's the thing about Isaiah 53 As you read through it. And I'm sure um, if you haven't by now, you're about to, but if you have in the past and and you've been around the church for any period of time, you've heard this passage uh, around Easter, especially we read around good Friday and others because of the, the clarity that is, is the description of what happened on the cross. You look at verses four, five, and six. Um, he's borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Uh, this is the doctrine that we've talked about before, penal substitutionary atonement. Um, so clear in this chapter. Abundantly so, right? That is that our sins have been placed upon Christ and he was punished for our sins. The, the punishment, the wrath that we deserved was placed upon him. And that's what it says. And here in verse six, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so we we read this and it's fascinating, even to the point of verse nine, they made his grave with the wicked. Where would Christ be crucified? Between two thieves, between two wicked men, two criminals. And then in his burial with a rich man, well, Joseph of Arimathea was a wealthy man who stepped forward to say, can I have the body and laid him in his own tomb? And so the specificity here is amazing. Um, and yet this is a, a passage that y- we would expect the Jews to read and immediately go, okay, we get it. We see it now. It's and a yet, forbidden chapter. But they don't. Right. So unpack that for us a
1: little bit there, the forbidden chapter. Well, <laughs> um, there are some Jewish uh, people who practicing Jewish people who would say, you know, at chapter 53, because it seems to be so evidently clearly talking about a certain Messiah that came 2000 years ago. It's not favored to be to be viewed very often um, because it, it's. I don't know how to say it, man. Uh, they are deliberately suppressing the truth, and they don't. They fear the implications of letting Isaiah fifty three speak for itself and and be understood on its own terms.
0: Yeah, in fact, a lot of times when you go into a Jewish synagogue, even today, they will do Old Testament reading, and a lot of times they will read Isaiah fifty two up to the verse that we left off on, which is verse twelve, and then you'll come back the next Sabbath day, and they will read starting in chapter fifty. Four, and uh, it doesn't take a, a, a genius to go. Hey, you, you, you missed a chapter. You missed a chapter there. Yeah. And the way that they will often rationalize it, if you talk to them, is well, what this really has to do with is the servant is Israel here, but it's been abused and misinterpreted by the Christians that so much that it's it creates unnecessary confusion. And so, rather than confuse our people with the reading, uh, we're just going to skip over it and jump to chapter fifty-four.
1: I uh, think if uh, if you try to do that in the pulpit. On a certain, if you if you came to the pulpit on a Sunday and you're like, hey guys, I know John three sixteen is confusing, so we're just going to skip that. We're going to go to John seventeen or three seventeen, and in order to uh, in order to not confuse you guys, uh, people would rightly tar and feather you. And oh, I, for sure, I, I would lead the charge. Yes,
0: yes, and they should. But but isn't that interesting? That that it, think about. Okay, um, Islam m- Muslims will refer to Christians as people of the, the book, the people of the book. Um, they don't refer to the, the the Jews that way. They refer to Christians that way, the people of the book. And isn't that interesting? And and I think it, there is a passion for biblical literacy and a passion for biblical um, uh, fidelity that is unique to Christianity amongst other religions with, with whether it be the Jews with the old Testament. Now it's not to say they don't care about the old Testament. Certainly they do and they know it and they memorize it and everything else. But we're not going to come to a passage like this and and jump over it and say, well, it doesn't fit our narrative. Um, And part of that is because the whole thing fits the narrative of the gospel because the gospel is true
1: right. We don't shy away from any text. Yeah.
0: But notice it was the will of the Lord verse 10 to crush him. And he has put him to grief. We're going to talk about that this Sunday. So tomorrow morning, we're going to oh. talk about that from John three 16, um, that, that this is the will of the Lord. It's a, a will of his that is motivated by a love, uh, that John talks about there in that passage. So uh, just a, a, an encouraging thought that God loves us that much that he was willing to do that. Um, and then the, the reward out of the anguish of his soul, he's going to see and be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall the righteous one, my servant make many to be accounted righteous and he shall bear their iniquities. The writer of Hebrews says that uh, Jesus for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And in part of the joy that was set before him is that, what we ju- what i just read right there that through the cross he was going to see quote unquote his offspring he was going to count many to uh, see many to be made righteous because of what he did for us on the cross and so there was a satisfaction that allowed him to despise the shame of the cross that he was looking forward to what it would be the fruit that it would bear which is is your salvation and my salvation
1: that's right penal substitutionary atonement yep 101
0: yep well, hey, chapter 54, we just, uh, well, I, I think I mentioned it, verse 10, the, the offspring there in 53, well, the offspring show up again in 54, and it's the, uh, the Israelite people in verse three, you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and people, the desolate cities, and so here we get a forward-looking view again for the people of Israel, now that the suffering servant has come and dealt with sin, there's this fast-forwarding to look at the millennial kingdom again, uh, in verse Verses four and through six, God is pictured as Israel's husband, which is a, a familiar uh, image for us in the church as we as the church are the the bride of Christ. Christ is the bridegroom for the church. And so uh, that's a, an image that's not new in the New Testament. That's picking up here. We find it uh, used here in, in the Old Testament with God and Israel even.
1: Um this even relates to what we read a few days ago, that there was no certificate of divorce. Right. God is still married exactly. to them. They are still his bride. He's still pursuing them. They're just having a time of, of discipline.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned that that time of discipline was not permanent. And he picks up on that theme in verses seven and eight for a brief moment, I deserted you, but with great compassion, I'm going to gather you in overflowing anger for a moment. I hid my face from you, but with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you. And so again, it's, it's that idea of, yeah, this, this discipline is here, but it's momentary because there's a future where I'm going to regather you to myself and fulfill those promises of the Abrahamic covenant. Bring it. Yep. Yeah. Verse 10, my steadfast love will not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed. Again, this is forward-looking. This is looking towards uh, the new uh, Jerusalem and the millennial kingdom. Uh, in fact, New Jerusalem is uh, is in view, I believe, in verse 11 and 12 with the depiction of the, the precious, precious, press, precious? Precious. Stones. Precious. Yeah. Um, which show up in uh, the depiction of that in Revelation uh, 21 and 22. 21. Twenty one um, with the depiction of twenty seven. Yeah. yeah, definitely not. In fact, if there's a twenty seven in your Bible, you're in a whole <laughs> lot of trouble because Colossians five, Revelation twenty seven. Yeah. Anyways, the Jew, We here's New Jerusalem pictured here in Isaiah fifty four. Right. Yeah. Fifty five, though. It's not just for Israel, is it? Because in chapter 55, the invitation is thrown out, not just to Israel, but to everybody. Yeah, verse 1. Yeah. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come by and eat. Uh, another connection to John, if I can. We, we're not there yet, but it's one of my favorite passages in John. We're going to get there, I promise you. Uh, but that's in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. Coming January 2028. 20, <laughs> 2028. 20, John 4, maybe. you we'll <laughs> don't write checks with your mouth at my <laughs> preaching, preaching can't can cash. cash. Okay. Um. Yeah. John chapter four. Remember, Jesus looks at this woman at the well and says, if you drink of that water, you're going to come back thirsty again. But if you drink of the water that I have, you will never thirst again. Mm -hmm. And here in Isaiah 55, we see this invitation, come and drink you who are thirsty and I will give you water. And that's a common theme throughout the, the, the Bible of this idea of thirst thirsting and being satisfied
1: when we are with the Lord in the new heavens and new earth. So it seems pretty clear that Jesus is drawing several illusions in in his ministry. He, and he, he expected it, that people understood their old Testament, which is why old Testament literacy is so necessary and so helpful as you read through your new Testament, because so much is drawn upon. It's assuming all of this background as you read and the more of it, you know, the more of it you can appreciate in the new Testament.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Verse three, I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast and sure love for David. Uh, This is the new covenant. Uh, This is the full, full realization of the new covenant that we're uh, we've, we've, entered into the, the early stages of it, the, the already, but not yet. This is the yet. This is when it's fully fulfilled and the uh, yeah. the the sure love for David reference to the Davidic covenant at the same time because the D- Davidic covenant, the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant will also be the the full realization of the new covenant promises there because the, the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant will be when the Davidic king is sitting on his throne ruling without end forever and ever. That's Jesus, right? Well, when that day comes, that's going to be the millennial kingdom. And then we are stepping into the, the realization and reality of the uh, new covenant as well there.
1: God's promise to do good to the people is made evident in verses 10 and 11 that they cannot fail. God's promises must of necessity yes. succeed. And therefore, as as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it br- bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes out From my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. That was true back then in Isaiah 55, 700 years before Christ. It is just as true today. God's word will be successful. It will produce fruitfulness and it will prosper in the the lives of his people, regardless of what we believe or don't believe. Uh, God is faithful and he will fulfill his word.
0: Yeah. So on on that note, I mean, so we can think about that on the macro level with his promises are, are going to come to fruition. But Pastor Rod, does this mean also it, that there's always a benefit for me picking up my Bible, even in the times I don't feel like picking it up? Because there's, gonna, there's a purpose that God has for his word, right? And that even when I'm reading it and my heart's not fully into the reading, if I'm indwelled by the spirit, that his word is not going to return void to him. Is Is there that? I've heard that. Application to this passage, or pull that that point pulled out of this passage.
1: Man, I, I the more you study neuroscience, and and, and there are, there are experiments being done today about how much your brain actually understands and processes what happens at night when you sleep. And we've known that for a long time that your brain actually consolidates memories and moves them into a permanent storage kind of situation. Um, it, there are studies that suggest that everything that you do makes an impression upon you. Everything everything that you watch, listen to. I mean, I, I was listening to a podcast recently about. How how music affects the brain and um, there are certain music that elevates mood, certain music that depresses mood and, and on and on it goes, man, I think we've severely underestimated the word of God in saying that I, I just read it. I just was checking the box and then, granted you never want to be there. That's right. not our ultimate destination, but we do want to say no matter what, I want the word of God in my heart, in my mind, in my mouth. I want it to, ch- I mean, have you ever noticed when, I don't know if you've noticed this pastor Peter? sometimes I talk like the ESV, and I don't like that because that the ESV is, is choppy. Sometimes you
0: say these and thou's
1: too. I, I, it's like, that, oh, there's KJV pastor. You, <laughs> you know, fun fact, i i I grew up on the NKJV. So that's a, that's always a beloved translation, but beloved. you want to have so much of it. Yeah. Beloved. Um, so you want to have so much of God's word in you that it actually impresses the way that you think, the way that you feel, even if it's, even if it's not uh, on the surface aware to your, to your your cognitive, your cognition, your present thinking. But I would say, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this pastor. PJ. I would say there's never a time when you open up God's word and read it, that it does not have an impact on your soul. One way or another, it makes an impression that is indelible. Yeah, I would agree on that. A
0: hundred percent. It's always better that you pick up the, the Bible and read the Bible. Even if you, you don't fully feel like, cause if you wait on your feelings to get there, you're going to be waiting forever. The, the, there's the, those moments where we are really motivated to say, man, I can't wait to dive into the word of God. They come and they can be awesome seasons, but even for the best of us, those are seasons. There's going to be other times in our lives where it is more difficult and it is more of the routine. And that's why it's so important to make this part of your routine, right? Right. There's times when I'm so tired at night, I'm like, I don't even want to brush my teeth. I just want to go to bed because I'm just that tired. Yeah but I'm still going to brush my teeth because I know I need to and I know the benefits that come from it and I know the danger if it doesn't if, if we can get the Bible that ingrained and in time of the word that ingrained into our lives uh, that's going to be beneficial because you, to your point the time of the word is always more beneficial than than ignoring it and not not having it and like you were talking about taking things in and what our brain does with all of the resources out there for audible bibles dwell bible app things like that listening to the bible on the esv app singing it singing it that's going to be so good for you as well uh, because it's it's having an impact on you, whether you realize it or not. Case in point, go look up the the playlist from when you were 16 years old. Go look up the the top songs from when you were 16. And I bet you, you know, lyrics from those songs, even though maybe you haven't heard them in 10, 15, 20 and didn't intend to, to memorize them. Exactly. It, yet you know them because you listen to those things so many times and you'll hate it. Yeah. Or love it. Or love <laughs> I don't it. No, man. I don't need any more Backstreet songs in my head, but I've got several of Backstreet's them. Backstreet's back. I bet you do. You back know the choreography, Street's don't back. you? All right. Hey, uh they are too, which is uh, or in sync, I guess in sync is the In sync, one that's
1: back. man. These get these boy bands are trying to come back and, and do things. They need to stay away. You know Anyways. what? Because their generation has expendable income. First that's two. Let's do it.
0: Uh, first, that's two. We talked about Paul's affection for this church and here we see it. Uh, verse eight. He says it just plainly being affectionately desirous of you church. We were ready to share with you, not only the gospel of God, but also ourselves because you would become very dear to us. That's right, man. How cool is that, man? Yeah. Kitchen it, rights. Yeah. Yeah. To know Paul to that level, right? Like, that's pretty awesome yeah just hanging out with paul because he cares he just wants to just be near me just spend time with me just those are those moments they had a perspective on paul that we we don't have and won't have until we're in the in heaven with him right where it's like paul what what were you like you know walking to go get lunch (laughs) paul's like hey let's go grab a a A falafel (laughs) falafel. (laughs) falafel. (laughs) let's go get a hero together right it, it, like what was Paul like in those moments? And I, this is that's what comes to mind here. It's like we we lived life with you. We were just there with you, and we loved being there with you,
1: dude. I want I want this for us. I, I want this for our church. I want I, I do, want to be man. able to say, hey, just come hang out. Uh, Rosaria Butterfield wrote a book about this called "The Gospel Comes at the House,", House talking kid, yeah. about biblical or a New Testament hospitality. And I think, man, I, I want that. I, I savor that. I crave that. But I also know when we have people over, it's like, oh, I you know, you're on. You're you're not you're not just hanging out. You're on. You're doing stuff, right uh and that and that's what makes it challenging today. Right.
0: No, it does. It does, but that is our aim and, and we want to do that because we want it to be
1: because we want to love our church. And we, yeah, we want them to know us. Yeah. We want to know them and that's how we that's how we do it. So we're we're, we're aiming for that.
0: And and, and and right now I feel like it's it's a little bit easier to do that in yeah. our, our current With context. Our body weight
1: in yeah. our context.
0: Pfft. Yeah. And and we do we do love our people. Yeah, and, I mean I, I it's a, a enormous privilege to pastor this church. It is so uh, it's such a joy every single week. I can't wait to get there and be with our people, right? There's that country song. These are my people. <laughs> and that's what comes to mind. I think about this uh, is God's country. Yeah, that one too, Blake Shelton. Yeah. Um, but so it, it, and it's going to be a challenge if the Lord grows our church to, to maintain that because we're not going to be able to know everyone to that same level and that same degree. But hey, uh, we, we love you guys listening to this. And this is our prayer in our heart as pastors. If we want to not just share the word with you, but share our very lives with you. And uh, we're we're grateful. Thank you for being a part of this and letting us do that with you because it's a, it's a privilege that we don't take lightly. Yeah. It is our gift to you and there is no return receipt. Yeah. (laughs) So you you get us whether Whether you you like it or not. not. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, Hey, thanks for joining in for another episode of the daily Bible podcast. Please join us again tomorrow for another episode. Bye y'all.